Hello, thank you for tuning in to The Right Life. I'm Marie McDowell, and this is episode 20. I can't believe it's been 20 episodes. It's so exciting, and I still like doing it. La, la, la. Um, every week, I pick up different piece of my writing to share, and this week, I was called to read a poem that is in my second poetry book, uh, Longing for the Deep End, which it came out in 2011. And this poem is called Bookseller Sage. I walk up to the counter to pay for my stack of books. I watch the clerk ring them up one by one. Poetry and children's books, my normal choices. I smile at him and say, I am a poet and a mother. Well, there's nothing more you need to be then, he says. It was as if all the wise masters throughout the ages spoke through him just to give me this message. I guess not, I say as I pay for my books. I breathe a sigh of relief. My destiny is finally defined for only $34.99. I love that poem. It's so funny when you read your own work and you're like, oh, um, I adopted my child, I took him in when he was three months old. He is my youngest sister's child, was born to my youngest sister. And due to various unfortunate circumstances, he needed to come and live with me and my then husband at the time with about four days notice. So I had not really planned to be a mother. Um, I was never able to get pregnant. I had tried a couple times on a whim, I would say it wasn't actually planned, but I was never able to get pregnant. I never really went down the rabbit hole to figure out why. I just thought, oh, well, I'm not meant to be a mother. And also I primarily define myself as a creative and know how much time and energy that takes. And I just didn't think I had it in me to give extra energy to a child. And also being the oldest of four children, I grew up in an alcoholic home, um, which my mother is never happy about me saying that publicly, but it is my truth. I spent pretty much all of my childhood helping to raise my younger brothers and sisters, especially after my parents got divorced when I was a teenager and my mother was working full-time. So I never really felt like I had a childhood. So every year I kind of feel a bit freer and freer. And, you know, I just had made a decision that I didn't want to have children, but the universe had other plans for me. And my lovely child came to me when I was 31 years old and he was only, as I said, three months old. I say he was like a cabbage patch doll. He was like fully formed and was like delivered to me. So he was starting to sleep through the night. And the very first night we were together, he um, screamed his head off for about an hour straight. And everyone kept coming into the room. My friends were there. Like he sounded like he was being murdered. And then he kind he never cried like that again. It was like we bonded in that moment. And all of a sudden, I always think about like if you've watched the movie Twilight when they bond, um, it was like we bonded together, our soul 
souls had finally been reconnected because I was never able to have children, but I was meant to be a mom. So he had to come through my sister and I stick to that story to this day. And, you know, since I really didn't have any, uh, plans to be a mom. I had taken six months off of school. I was going to school for English at USF St. Pete. Um, I was like, okay, I'll take a semester off of school. It was supposed to be temporary until my sister and her at the time husband were able to kind of get their shit together, but um, they never were able to do that. And then five years later, it took that long um, for me to finally be able to fully adopt James. Um, yeah, it was a long, long process. And at that point I found out later that all my sister really had to do was to prove that she had a steady job in a residence because the state of Florida, it had not gone through department of children and family and they allow family members to adopt children, I guess, cause it is so common, these kind of situations, unfortunately. So, uh, I will say, luckily my sister never did get her shit together in time for me to be able to adopt my lovely human. Um, and last night I was going through, like I was with him and he was showing me all his little knickknacks and curious accoutrements that he has decorated his room with. And, uh, we had spent the afternoon together blaring music in the car, singing at the top of our lungs, Pearl Jam. And he was showing me his artwork and books that he had bought that he loves. And I was just looking around his space and really realizing like what a gift it is that I got to be a mother. And also that I um, was able to still continue to be a creative and uh, there is a lot that goes into being a mother and being a creative. We are taught in society that we are supposed to set our needs aside for our children, women um, especially. And if we don't, somehow that means we're not a good mother. And somehow I knew right out of the gate that I knew I would not be a good mother if I was not able to also have my time to be creative. And so when he was very young, um, I would sit in his room and write and read while he was playing. And um, as he got older, when it was time for me to write, I would put in a DVD. This was before we had streaming services now. Those parents that have streaming services now, you have no idea how lucky you are, but I would pop in a DVD and we didn't have cable. We had a TV play, a TV that was specifically for watching DVDs. So this was his TV time and it was about an hour and a half for a movie. And that became my writing time. That was the time that I set aside to write. And before I would have like large interrupted periods of time to write because I was working a job where I would condense all the hours into several, a couple days a week, instead of like spreading it out over the week. So then I had several days off and those were the days that I wrote. And it was also, I was working for my uncle doing dolphin watching tours in Hubbard's Marina and John's pass. I was the person that were take, you know, ringing up the tickets in the ticket office. So in between boats, I would have time to write also. So 
I really had a lot of space for creativity. And out of that really grew my first poetry book, Exploring My Options, and also my second poetry book, which came out in 2011. And um, having a child, I was like, I can't not write. I can't, you know, I have to believe that just because I have a kid doesn't mean that my creativity is supposed to stop. And um, I'm so glad that that was the intuition that I had because I was also unbeknownst to me raising another artist. My child is so talented and is a visual artist, but he also does like all kinds of little 3D art projects, like bottles that have magic potions in it and he makes keychains and buttons and all kinds of things around his art that he started selling at comic-con festivals and he's not even like he's starting his senior year of high school and he's already like going to these festivals and selling his artwork so this very unconventional way of being as a creative showed my child how to also live a life that resonated with him too. And yes, um, he could have taken a totally different route and decided that he loves math or accounting or whatnot. But I think it's important as parents that we show children how valuable our private time is, that we don't have to give ourselves away in the spirit of being a good parent. Uh, I think that if we're constantly entertaining our children or filling our children's lives up with 40 million activities or filling our lives up with 40 million of our children's activities, we're not allowing that space for quiet and reflection and introspection. And we're just perpetuating hustle culture. And we're just perpetuating, like, you always have to be busy. You always have to be generating something to show your value. and you know, kids, when they're younger, their time, their work is their play. And that is um, something that they generally do by themselves. And then when they're really younger, they, they may play with another kid, but they're actually doing something called parallel play, which um, my child recently, I said something about how me and my um, boyfriend were, you know, laying next to each other and both reading. And my kid was like, oh, you're doing parallel play. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, that's like one of my most favorite things to do is to like be next to your beloved, but you're both doing kind of your own thing. So you're alone, but you're also together. But I think that if we're always entertaining our children and always creating content for them and you don't allow them to be bored. You don't allow them to have those spaces of introspection. You don't have allow them to have the space for creativity and innovation because you're always spoon feeding them the next idea or their next project or, um, and life isn't like that. Like, and I, I could see how that could translate into having to constantly consume, whether it's doom scrolling on social media or consuming food or consuming drugs or consuming alcohol. And I'm not saying that, that this one thing leads to another, but I could see how my child is able to have long interrupted stretches where he's entertaining himself and doing his own thing. And for years, I would 
beat myself up about it because I need a lot of quiet time and I needed a lot of alone time. And I would still be around, but I would have my nose in a book or I would be writing. I would be sitting in the corner of his room while he's playing. Um, this is when he was younger and couldn't be unsupervised. And I would look up and he's literally taken apart all of his toys and reassembled them into sculptures all over his room. And then he would take the broken pit pieces and then put them in the corner of his room and um, hide them on the side of his bed. And you'd pull his bed away and you'd see all these mounds of broken bits of toys. So now that we're, you know, moving into senior year of high school in a week, um, I'm looking at this human and I'm realizing that all these intuitive decisions I did as a creative actually really helped to make him the most magical of people. And I'm still able to do my writing. I'm still able to put my books out and, and honor myself as a creative. And, and in turn, I have actually shown up and been one of the best mothers I think I could have possibly been. So if you happen to grapple with this um, problem as a creative, uh, either, even as a parent, but or in, in other relationships you have where you feel like it's taking up too much time or especially us ladies, like we tend to feel a lot of guilt if we're not 100% available for all the people around us. Like that's programmed into us to be those people. And more and more, I'm starting to see a trend where you know, maybe that's why a lot of women aren't really being drawn to getting married or a lot of women are staying single for larger periods of time because there is a, a part of us that is wanting to reclaim our wildness and our, our um, you know, if our, our goddesses that are um, the virgin goddesses, the Artemises and the, um, <laughs> the, the Athenas that, that want to stay um, unmatched with somebody un, 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 what's the word unconnected, not connected with someone. So then we can, we can have more of our quiet time and more of our, our alone time. Um, my hope is that we're able to find a way to also be with people, but also honor ourselves too. And, and I've really had to learn how to be able to say like, I need to be alone right now. I need to go and do my own thing and not feel guilty about it. And today I actually um, was thinking like that I've gotten really comfortable being by myself. And it used to be like this dread would creep up. And I realize now it's because I didn't really fit in with my family. I still don't really fit in with my family. And by being alone was, it made me feel like an outsider and an outcast. And now I've kind of reclaimed it because I have such wonderful people in my life. I'm surrounded by such dear friends and, and I have so much love that surrounds me. And I've really curated my own very supportive, lovely family and um, many of these people I'm going on almost a decade with in my life. Some I've been several decades and it's kind of like, okay, I don't really need to test you out anymore. You're safe. Um, 
so I know that when I'm taking this alone time, it's not because I'm an outsider or an, I'm an outcast. It's because I actually genuinely need it. And that there will always be an opportunity to reconnect with people in the near future when I'm ready. So I realized today that that's kind of shifted in my mind and I'm actually really enjoying my own company more than ever. I'm really enjoying like lining up stacks of books to go back to the poem, back to the bookseller sage. Like the books now are more nonfiction. I'm not buying as many children's books. I'm still buying poetry books, of course, but just stacking up lots of books. I was just in Savannah and in North Carolina, and we went to like seven different bookstores. And every time I was like, I would find a book that I just knew I wanted it to be the memory of that experience in the bookstore. And I got some from Rebecca Solnit. I got a Patty Smith book. Um, I mentioned some of the other books I got, The Untethered Soul. I got the book Rooted. Um, they're all like lined up and stacked around what I call my like book reading throne where I have books stacked up on either side of me. And there's actually a space where my ass goes <laughs> in between the stacks of books that, that are meant to be read. And I just love having books around me and like, and, and see like all the potential possibilities in the future of just opening up the spines of the books and what lovely stories and ideas and thoughts are going to escape their pages. And, and those usually will lead me into poems too, and essays, because they'll spark something in my mind. But that mad scientist need to like, bury her head in books and disappear into my writing. Those are solitary practices. Those are um, practices that you know, you don't really do with other people. You can do them with them, them near parallel play. And in many ways, I've raised my child to parallel play with me. He's, you know, on the other end of the apartment doing his own thing, drawing or watching some interesting movie that he's obsessed with this week. Um, he's watching people on YouTube that he follows that do art and are inspiring to him. Um, hopefully he's reading, um, but we're in the same space together, but doing our own thing. And I am so grateful that I have been a single parent now for a little over 10 years. Um, and I've watched my child grow into just the most amazing human. And I was just with my dear friend, Helen in North Carolina, and she has a son who her youngest child is about the same age as my child was when my marriage ended. And I'm looking at this magical human, but how he's still so very um, moldable and, and permeable. And I'm realizing that when I left my marriage, that's the age that my child was and all these things that I've learned over these last 10 years of starting my own nonprofit and doing my own writing and, you know, being on food stamps and living in a couple different places until we found the one that fits and meeting new people and rebuilding my village and 
just all these lessons that I've learned along the way, learning to value myself, learning to pay myself what I'm worth, learning to ask for what I'm worth, learning to value my time, learning to um, set boundaries, learning to say no, learning to wait and be patient until what I need comes to me instead of trying to force things. These are all things that have gone down on his watch of in the last 10 years of, of being my child. And, and recently, um, a situation came up that I was a little conflicted about. And I vocalized to him because I'm starting to do that more. Um, he's, um, 17 years old. He's soon moving out into the world. I'm moving into the space from, you know, as a, as a parent, you want to shelter your stuff from your child, from some adult situations and let them stay a kid. But I'm starting to share more and more about my life. Not too much. I'm not burdening him with my thing, my stuff. Um, I, I talk about most things with my adult friends, but there are some things that I've started to share with him and uh, some quandaries and questions that I have. And, and I shared something with him recently, a couple of days ago, and the insight that he gave me was so empathetic and so kind and such a sense of having strong boundaries and honoring my own space and honoring my intuition and honoring what would be the healthiest path for me. And I looked at this human and I felt such a, I'm such a proud sense of joy and gratitude that my wild and random intuitive way of parenting as a creative really worked <laughs> because I have broken so many generational curses. My parents did the very best they could with the tools that they have, but it's in many ways, light years from the way that I have parented. And I really consciously chose to talk to and treat my child as the way I wished I had been treated as a child and not project my bullshit onto him. And if I did at all, because I am human, if I did at all raise my voice or get upset or lashed out for whatever reason, once I calmed down, which was pretty quickly, um, I always explained why I did what I did and talked it out with him and apologized and was accountable always because I knew that this beautiful little spirit was completely and totally 100% reliant on me and that my viewpoint for most of his life was the primary viewpoint. And I took that role very, very seriously. And to be able to be at this point now where this person that I have helped raise because of a series of unfortunate events that led to one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. Thank you universe that <laughs> allowed me to be a mother. I now get to share my life with one of the coolest people I have ever met and continuously surprises me. Even though he is a creative, we are very, very different people. And he has very different likes and very specific ways of doing things that is 
a bit more ordered than I am, but a bit more, um, I'm, you know, books and reading and I do love art, but he's got such a varied uh, amount of interests and can, and is good at so many different things. And I just look at him with awe and gratitude and I'm so grateful. And I think back to that, the poem I shared in the beginning about the bookseller Sage about, you know, I'm a poet and a mother. And he says, there's nothing more you need to be then. And I often would say like, I'm a poet and a mother are the two most important things, you know, to be in the world, but the two least valued because in many ways they are, you know, but it's been such a gift to be able to be both. So I'm not sure if my ramblings today uh, made any sense, but it's what I have to offer. And um, those of you that are parents, whether you are a mother or a father, but those of you, especially that are creative parents, I think the best gift you can give your child is to show them how to honor themselves through honoring yourself as an artist and bring your kids into the process. You know, you can be working on a big painting or you can be writing and they can be in the same room with you and they can be parallel playing. You know, they could be in, they can be in their playpen next to you while you're writing or painting or um, whatever, whittling some wood, whatever you choose to do. And even if you aren't a creative the, just being in a, a human in this life is a creative parallel playing next to your child. Um, you know, let them see you taking time for the things you love. Um, whether it's gardening, it could be cooking, sh showing your children that you, you have something in your life that pro provides meaning, teaches them to look for that in their life too. Because that's all that life really is, is the, the meaning we give it. Um, that's what gives people reasons to live long lives and, um, they find things that bring them joy and they want to keep doing it. For me, I have so many books that I want to write and so many books that I want to read. And that keeps me going every single day besides being with the people that I love. So, Thank you so much for tuning into The Right Life. Um, I hope you have a wonderful week and I hope that you take time to honor whatever it is that br brings you joy and meaning and creativity and share it with the little people in your life. It does, And if you are not a parent, you might have a young person in your life that you're mentoring or you might be an auntie or an uncle um, or you might volunteer and help children um, or you might you know, write books for children. There's many ways that you can pass on your wisdom and, and share your gifts and talents. So thank you so much for listening to The Right Life. Um, I wish you the best possible of weeks. We're going into school starting again next week. Um, it's my last year of being a high school parent. And then we will be moving on to a gap year for my child and then college, which is really wild. So 
it's a transitional time, but I'm very excited for both of us. And those of you that are starting school again, whether as a student or a parent, I'm wishing you the best of luck. And maybe you're just a student of life. So happy school year to all of us. And um, please be you. It's a good look on you. And if you want to learn more about me, you can go to maureenmcdole.com. And I'll talk to you next week.